0: Hello, my name is Sebastian Castro-Nicolescu, and I will be having a conversation with Chanel Lopez for the New York City Trans Oral History Project, in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is July 31st, 2018, and this is being recorded at the New York Public Library offices in Midtown Manhattan. Hi, Chanel. Hi, Sebastian. How are you? (laughs) I am doing well, how are you? Good, good, good.
1: Um, how was your day? My day was pretty good. Um, I, have, well, I was like in an interfaith retreat from the Unity Project. So, okay. okay, Um, it was pretty, It's been pretty laid back today, mm. so I to. Okay, that's yeah. nice.
0: <laughs> um, so I guess just to get started, um, where
1: are you from and what was it like growing up where you were from?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was born and raised here in Manhattan. Um, back then, it was called Spanish Harlem. Mm-hmm. Now, it's called East Harlem. Actually, it was called El Barrio.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I was born um, in Metropolitan Hospital. I was raised all my life up until, like, the age of, like, 15. No, but About 12. Okay. Then I, I was going back and forth to, like, Boston with my father because my mother and my father divorced at a young age. Mm-hmm. And I was around, like... Three, four, okay. and so I was always going back and forth, and um, I lived for what for three years in the Dominican Republic, okay. and um, uh, growing up, I had such a like, I don't I don't recall having the best childhood. I feel like I was deprived from a lot of things that a child would normally enjoy or go through, um, especially like living in my, in Dominican Republic with my father's family, Um, you know, being this, I was always feminine, Mm -hmm. and that was my, my, it wasn't my issue, my problem, it was my family's issue and problem with me, Mm -hmm. um, because they didn't understand why I was so feminine, why I walked so feminine, why I didn't say hello, you know, very masculine, I was Mm -hmm. very feminine even saying hello. So, like, you know, my mother was going through her second marriage, and so, you know, she was focused on that and on work and stuff like that, and so I was sent to my father's, mm-hmm. and then my father left me in Boston with oh, wow. my stepmom, okay. and he left the Dominican Republic and ended up marrying his long-time sweetheart, mm-hmm. and so... I had to finish middle school in, in, in um, Boston and it wasn't the best time there either, okay. you know, um, and then that was sent to the Dominican Republic. So growing up it hasn't, it has. I don't know, I, I look at some of the kids now or like the kids back then and I'm like I wish I, I would have gone to my high school reunion or mm. my graduation or my prom and mm. I feel like I was just taken away from all of that. Mm. No, so growing up, it wasn't very, it wasn't easy for me at all, especially being feminine and growing up in a Christian home with with machismo from my father's side and, like, my mother's side, you know, my mother was always like, no, don't walk like that, don't mm. act like that, you know, so. Um, and I had my grandmother, my grandfather, of course, but my grandmother always was very accepting, mm. you know. My mother was the one that had a hard time um, dealing with it in the beginning. Okay. It was more because she thought she did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I remember being five years old and walking around the house in heels while nobody was watching, mm-hmm. or locking myself in the bathroom and taking out the do- dirty laundry, the sheets, and tying it around mm-hmm. as a dress. and. Playing with makeup in the bathroom, you know, while I was telling Right, oh, I'm taking a shower, you know. So, yeah, but it was, I wish I, I had the, the childhood that I see a lot of players mm-hmm. encounter. Because mm-hmm. I felt I was very sheltered. Yeah. You know, my, my life was very much, I'm going to school, home, church, church, home, school. That was the only time I really got to go out and enjoy myself was if it was a church activity going on. <laughs> Or a church trip, hmm. you know. So yeah, that was the only that was me growing up. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you were living in El Barrio, yeah, until fifteen. No, oh. I was. Well, I lived in El Barrio up until I want to say eleven, okay. and then between eleven and and thirteen, I was. Back and forth. New okay. York, Boston, Boston, New York. One year I was in Boston, one year I was in New York. Okay. Yeah, I was just never settled in one place. Okay. Um, and then when I turned 13, I ended up going to Dominican Republic. Okay. Um, and since it was just not the best experience, mm-hmm. um, I ended up coming back when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so you mentioned, like, church activities
0: being, like, a big part of your upbringing or like the ways in which you got to like
1: go out it was the the only way that i was able to go out like if it was somebody's wedding if it was Mm. somebody's 16 if it was the church's function (laughs) anything that had to do with church that was the only time i knew i was going to be able to have fun okay okay Mm -hmm. and um what church did you go to another value um, they closed actually. Okay. It was the church. It was called Holy Agony and go figure the name. Oh wow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so um but I was born and raised in that church actually. I um prepared kids for their first communion, their baptism, their confirmation. Hmm. So I did all of that. I was even an altar boy. <laughs> my mother even wanted me to be a priest. Oh, wow. And I at one point was like, I wanna be a priest. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Wow. Um,
0: and so what was growing up in El Barrio like outside of
1: just like the church functions or like what was school like there? Oh, school was horrible. I remember getting jumped constantly and bullied all the time, especially, especially in junior high school, which was the local junior high school that everyone went to. Yeah. Um, and I remember always, like, always having a fear of going to school because every day was, I was being bullied for being feminine, Mm. um, I was being bullied because all I did was hang out with girls, Mm. I was being bullied just for the way I dressed because I was never the, the kid that dressed up to date like Mm. everyone else, you know, um, it was, it was always a constant bullying. I went through my whole junior high school, well, I should say part of middle school, Mm -hmm. In junior high school, bullied. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, in middle school, living in Boston, I had to, do. you know, they had this thing where the girls go on the, the girls' line and the boys go on the boys' line. <laughs> and so, of course, I went to the boys' line, and then I would get, I, I remember this one kid making fun of me, talking about, you're on the wrong line. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You belong in the girls' line. Because I was always very feminine. Okay. So even growing up, like sometimes I wish I took hormones back then in middle school mm. because I I think my life would have been totally much different, you know. Um, but I was it, it, even that was just a process of always. I dreaded school. Mm-hmm. I dreaded school every day. Yeah. Straight through my junior high school years, my high school years wasn't so bad, you know. Um, I really was quiet, silent in a corner, didn't. I was that one kid that you probably thought was going to bomb the school (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or go crazy shooting. You know what I'm saying? Because I was just always in a corner. Like, I didn't have no friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't have... You know, I had a lot of friends in junior high school. Mm -hmm. But because I graduated a year early, everyone else graduated on time. So I I left junior high school. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to high school first. And it was just very, like, Mm -hmm. I was just very, very... I really never have friends. Mm.
0: Yeah. How did you get to
1: finish a year early in junior high? I forgot. I think I took a test or something oh, like that. Okay. I, I'm not really sure how how that happened, mm-hmm. but I know that like all my friends, for some reason, I was I ended up graduating. I have a vivid recollection recollection about that. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's. um... Mm-hmm. But that I ended up graduating, and it was you know, and it was fine. High school years was like I said, I was very sheltered, very quiet, very in to myself. I did meet this one person that till this day we're like best friends. Oh, wow. Um, so I'll never forget her. We we caused havoc, but she was she was like a as they call it, a fag hag, mm-hmm. and so she had a gay friend, okay. That they lived in the same block, they lived mm. together in the Bronx, you know, they, it, they were like best friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so she one day called me over mm. and we started talking. She's like, Are you gay? <laughs> and I was like, Why are you asking? <laughs> you know, but I've never considered myself gay. Mm. I've never felt that I was gay at all. I've mm-hmm. always felt like a woman
2: mm.
1: all the way. And so, even growing up, I like my grandmother's when I was of age um like around my twenties yeah um I would like go to my some of my friends that I had across the street and I would like dress up
2: mm-hmm. and
1: go to the clubs with them mm. you know dressed up or hang out I was always everyone knew me in the block though okay you know so because you know you in a in a four radius <laughs> block and everyone in those projects grew up together, yeah. So, like, I knew that from, like, anyone from 103rd Street to 96th Street, Mm. we all knew each other. Mm. So, yeah, I I did have a group of friends, but that was back in my, that was, like, in my late 20s, already, like, 22, 23, because I ended up living with my mother, my grandmother from the age of 16, no, from the age of, like, 18 to 22, I lived with my grandmother. Okay.
0: Okay. Um... If you don't mind, can we maybe backtrack a bit sure. to talk about your time in the
1: Dominican Republic? If you want to. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you know, you have ten uncles and aunts, mm-hmm. old fashioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, set in their ways and here's like this kid who's like the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, all my uncles and aunts, they grew up together and then their kids all grew up, you know, grew up together. And I grew up with their kids, my cousins, but I didn't have that close, close bond like the rest of them had. Yeah. And like to this day they have. I do have like one or two cousins that really, really like talk to me and look for me and I look for them, you know. And she, her birthday was actually on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're like, we're like a year apart. Okay. Um, now, that was the cousin that I felt like she always had my back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and we always, we was always together, mm-hmm. and um, because it so happened that around the same year that I was sent to the Dominican Republic, she also was sent to the Dominican Republic, because okay. she was from New York. Mm. So she, the first year and a half, that, the first year that I was living in the Dominican Republic, she wasn't there. Mm. So I was just isolated. I was just like always isolated because every time I went, it was, the tradition was every night my father, my stepmom, and my little brother would get in the car and they'll head to the next town. Hmm. That that's where my other uncles lived, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, and my grandfather, may he rest in peace. Hmm. But every time I went, it was like a constant like nitpicking at me. Hmm. And so I was just like, got to a point where I was like, no, I don't want to go down there. I'll just stay in the house. So I used to stay in the house by myself. You know, isolated. And uh, until my cousin got there like a year later and then everything was like, hey.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: we was like, we like we was up and down. And I, she was sort of like my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we that was that's like the only cousin that I can say that we we have a close relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All my other cousins love them down, but we don't have a close relationship. Yeah. You know, but living in in Dominican Republic wasn't the best. I remember running out to the payphone because back then there was payphones, <laughs> and I didn't even want to call from the phone in the house. But I remember running—I don't know what had happened—but I remember going to the payphone, calling my grandmother collect, and just pouring my eyes out, telling her I can't live here anymore. I can't live here any here anymore. I don't like the way I'm treated. Um, you know, I feel isolated. You know, it was always like, oh, you need to be more manly. You need to be this. You need to be that. And I was just over it. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother came, like, the week after and, like, went and picked me up. She oh, went wow. to the Dominican Republic, and she's like, I'm taking him back. Oh, wow. And so that that's how I ended up coming back at the age of 16, 17, 16, yeah. I was turning 16 Okay. when I came back from DR. But it was because, like I said, my uncles were very... My aunts are very strict. My uncles are very machista. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, having the, 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 the grandmother and the mother that I... And the grandfather that I... My grandfather was very laid back, though. Okay. That's one thing I can say. My grandfather was always, like, telling my grandmother, leave those kids alone. You're always messing with them. Leave mm-hmm. them alone. And he would tell, like, my uncles, my father, my aunts, like, leave those kids alone. They're young. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was always, like, the one on our side. Okay. You know, but it was just it was just too tormented for me. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, no, I'm coming back to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so your grandma came and picked you up? She picked, she picked me up. I spent the night, we spent the night at, at one of our aunt's house from her side. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up going to the airport and I never went back to the Dominican Republic. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I wanna go, well actually I'm planning on going next summer. Oh wow. For my birthday. Okay. Yeah.
0: Are you looking forward to that? Or I you... am,
1: but I am not going to stay with any of my family. Yeah. I'm going to stay in the town close to where I used to live, mm-hmm. which is like a tourist place. So okay. we're going to get like an Airbnb or something. Because oh. my cousins are going too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um,
0: But it sounds like you had like a pretty strong relationship with your grandma.
1: The one that came to... Yeah. Um, I've always... My grandmother basically helped my mother raise me, you know, while my mother was at work and out, you know, so she, my grandmother basically quit her job. Because I used to have a babysitter and the babysitter was abusive towards me. So my grandmother ended up quitting her job because she's like, I don't want nobody taking care of you, taking care Um, of me. -hmm. So she ended up quitting her job and she raised me and she raised my other sister Mm -hmm. while my mother went to work.
0: Um, and what was your mom doing
2: for work?
1: I think, I think she was doing like a quality ins- assurance, q and something like that. She worked for Mount Sinai Hospital for many years. Okay. For many, first she took, I remember taking her taking a computer course, I used to show up, because <laughs> it was right near the neighborhood. I used to show up to her computer classes, and then she got a job in Mount Sinai, and mm-hmm. she worked there for like over 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like sixteen when she was working in my son, and she just retired. She mm-hmm. went on disability, like I want to say, like five years ago. I'm okay. gonna be forty three next month, so. Okay. I don't know. But I always had a close relationship with my my grandmother. Mm-hmm. She was the first one that I actually told. Oh really? That I was that I transitioned.
0: Hmm. When was that?
1: Um, I want to say I started transitioning around thirty four. Thirty-five. Okay. Yeah, I was like about 35 years old when I started transition. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not too long ago. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, and so you mentioned that you went to live with your grandma from the age of like 18.
1: From the age of like 18 to 22. Okay. 23, I ended up living staying with my grandma. And the reason I moved was because I felt like I wasn't going to be able to transition. Because hmm. uh, I used to like leave and stay in Brooklyn in my friend's house. For the weekend, and, like, as soon as I used to go to his house on a Friday, because he was trans, he was trans, now he's back to me. Mm -hmm. But at the time, transitioning, so, like, I would go to their house on a Friday and just totally get dressed for the whole weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just live my life as a woman that weekend. Mm -hmm. So it was like I was living a double life. Mm -hmm. And then I I just was like, I can't keep living like this. You know, I like, I'm not happy. And my mother was under the impression that I was going to find a wife, get married, mm-hmm. have kids. So I was like, you know what? No, this is going to, like, so I ended up leaving my grandmother's house at like, around the age of 24, 25. Okay. And I still didn't transition then because I was working for the Board of Education. Okay. So, and back then, you know, being trans wasn't so, so accepting like it is now, even though we still got struggles, but it wasn't. As accepting as it is now. And so working in high school, I was like, I can't transition while I'm working in a high school, Mm -hmm. you know, and because these kids are just going to make my life a living hell, you know. So I, when I ended up getting laid off, I just went on public assistant, but then I I met my friend, and she's like, I used to dress up, and she's like, why you just don't transition? And I'm like, I've always wanted to, but I don't know how. Mm. And she actually taught me like how to dress and where to go. She took me to the clinic, and I started getting on hormones and stuff like that. And I transitioned for five years, um, I wanna say like under the table. Like I would still go to my family's house, Mm. and wear, I used to like wearing Old Navy clothes, because Old Navy clothes is like gender neutral clothes. So that was my go-to place every time I wanted to to go shopping. Mm. And because I was like, okay, you can wear the jeans and the nice top, and they're not going to say anything, and Mm. I'll just have a scarf around me, Mm. around my head. But after that, I just was like, I I can't, because I started getting into shows also. Okay, I started performing and stuff like that, and I met my my mom from the scene Mm. that I owe so much to her. Mm. Um, She took me under her wings. And she practically made me the woman I am today. Oh wow. Yeah, she's 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 pretty famous too. Her name is Jessica Fox. Okay. okay. Yeah, she used to be like the big big diva for over twenty two years, but she she now lives you know regular life. Mm-hmm. She goes to work. She goes home. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, so I'm
0: interested. Uh... I mean I'm interested in a lot of things that you just said Um, but to start off maybe like I'm interested in like how you're talking about like the double life and how you used to get like dressed up and go to clubs Um, and like what that was like if there is any kind of like memories you have yeah I do I
1: have memories of (laughs) I remember um, starting to perform at the club. Well, I used to go across the street to my friend's house. Mm-hmm. She was very accepting. I had, I, I had a, there was a building where, like, everyone got along. They all knew each other. Well, <laughs> they all fought, too. Yeah. But they all, it was, like, three, four floors where everyone knew each other in that whole building. And, like, come the holidays, it was, like, oh, everybody opened. So I kind of became, like, that became kind of, like, my second home. Mm-hmm. So when we were, when one, we didn't go to the clubs a lot, but when we started going to the club, I would like run to their house and like, do my makeup, put on my hair. I used to look horrible. <laughs> I used to look so horrible. Now I look at the pictures and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking about? Um, and so I used to, and I remember like going to the clubs. I remember also going to Gay Street down in the village mm. and like dressing up in the alley. Oh, wow. Um, and going into pieces because mm-hmm. I used to perform at pieces that's why I first started performing at pieces okay. um, so I used to go I used to remember going to that because I wanted people to think that I was able to leave my house mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. you know that I would have this support this invisible support mm-hmm. <laughs> in my head um, and I remember also like coming home one night and it was like freezing cold and I didn't have keys, and I had all this makeup on, so I had Ooh. to go into the staircases, oh, wow. change into my male clothing, and knock on the door and hide my face and be like, oh my God, it's freezing outside. But it was because I didn't want nobody to see my face mm-hmm. and my makeup. So, mm-hmm. it was, like, I just felt like living that double life was too much <laughs> for me. Um, like, I was I was a woman when I didn't go visit my family. My mother my father my grandmother, like, when I didn't visit them, I was very gender neutral. Mm. That's how I went to the house.
2: Yeah.
1: And, but I felt uncomfortable and stuff like that. And people started noticing when I started taking the hormones, people were like, you're looking different. I'm mm. like, what you mean? And like, your face is looking more feminine. And so I didn't, you know, I used to be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. it was because I was, on, I was taking hormones. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And stuff like that. And then it was one of my grandmother's home attendant who we sat down and we started talking. And she's like, your grandmother loves you. She accepts you for who you are. You need to stop hiding mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I had an album mm-hmm. of me... Um, dressed up as a woman doing shows and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so I left it on purpose on the table my grandma was, yeah, I left it my, on the table My God. so the home attendant mm-hmm. I told the home attendant I said I left the album on, on the table on purpose mm-hmm. so she looked at it and then the home attendant showed it and was like oh look how nice your granddaughter looks <laughs> and so she was my grandma was like yeah she looks nice um, but she wasn't she was just she was taken back about it a little because she was like Like, you know, she didn't, she was taken back a little. And then then after a while, she came around, and she was like, oh, you know, that's my grandchild.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to accept them no matter what. And they still have, they have a place in my heart always. So I just, once she went with it, I just was like, the hell with this. I am going to change my name. I'm going to just live my life. And there's still people from my church that haven't seen me yet. Oh wow. They ha it's a, but the I wanna say like sixty out of forty have seen me already. Okay. Because you know, Facebook connects everyone. <laughs> so I, you know, everyone has found me through my mother or through my mm-hmm. sisters and they'll tell my mother, they was like, Is that? And my was like, Yeah She was <laughs> so like, Wow, she looks good <laughs> So
0: yeah. Okay. Um and so how did you get started performing, and what were you performing?
1: When I used to... Well, I've never really been a specific artist before. Okay. Like, I never mimic any artist. I have, like, whatever song is in, that's mm. the one I perform. Um, so that's where I met Jessica Fox, my mom. Okay. Because I used to, When I used to go to Brooklyn mm-hmm. and dress up, there was a club called Crash okay. at the time. I don't know if you ever heard of it. But mm-hmm. well, Crash was, like, very... It was the club. Like people would come down from Connecticut oh, wow. to like go to this club named Crash. So it was constant battle between Escolita and Crash, Crash of Um, But they always had the follies. They had the girls. They had everything. <laughs> and so my friend that I used to stay with in Brooklyn on weekends told me, "Why don't you let's go to Crash?" And I'm like, "Crash? What's up? what club is that?" And he and she they explained to me, um, "No, that that's the club everybody goes to." it's fun, you meet the boys. So I was like, come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. And when I saw Jessica Fox on stage perform, like, I was mesmerized. Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to be up there. Mm -hmm. Like, this is me. (laughs) And so I kept going after that. We would go like every Friday, every Saturday. And then I started meeting, I started getting close to people that performed, and then I started, I went one day to the backstage, and I got introduced to Jessica, mm-hmm. and, and I told her, I was like, oh my God, I admire you so much, and, and I've always, I, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to be my mom, and you know, and she was like, yes, you know, she's like, I feel a spiritual connection with you, um, and so we ended up being, to this day, we don't talk as much as before, because you know, we broke out our separate lives. But that is still my number one and that's where I met her and then, you know, she got me on stage one day to perform and after that like I still perform here and there. Mm-hmm. But usually in the summertime is where I'm more busy. Yeah. Than in the winter. Um uh, and it's in and, and I'm not I don't perform as much because it's not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Here they don't really appreciate a trans woman performing, unless you're half naked,
2: mm.
1: and, um, and and they appreciate more drag queens. So that's why, right. and you know, in a lot of the promoters, they want you to put a, uh, they want you to put a production for them, but they don't want to pay you production money. Oh yeah. So I was like, you know what, the hell with this. I'll do it here and there, but it's not like I live off of it. Mm. You know so. But I love performing, I love being on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I love the, I'm a Leo, Leo <laughs> loves attention. We love to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, uh, that's one thing, I back then I said to myself, I am going to live my life as a showgirl, I'm just gonna sleep all day, and I'm just gonna go do my shows and live off of that. Mm-hmm. and so all that, but then I was like, mm-hmm. when I started, I, I started getting into that scene with, when it was already starting to like fade away okay. and the clubs were starting to shut down, mm-hmm. you know, like I was a regular on Stonewall. I used to perform at Stonewall every, like my schedule was really back to back. Like Mondays and Fridays, I was at Stonewall. Tuesdays I was at Splash. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays I was at Heaven. <laughs> you know, Thursdays or sometimes every other Saturday I was at Esquilita.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I did get to perform and crash a couple of times, but it's like the club scene started fading after that. Mm-hmm. I think I I I was on, I was on it for like a good I was on a good run for like five years straight. Wow. Um, and but then it just started mm-hmm. falling off.
0: And what years was that around?
1: I was I want to say I was like. In my late 20s, early 30s, okay, okay. Um, I was, I was doing, yeah, like, I want to say like around 33 and up. Okay. Yeah. Then, so maybe like 10 years ago.
2: Hmm,
1: okay. Yeah. Um, and what
0: was the scene like, um, what kinds of
1: people, like? Uh, the scene is shady. <laughs> <laughs> The scene is very shady. It's very, um, if you don't look, uh, my sister's Jasmine International. Okay. um, And me and her got close. And it was like people try to put us against each other. Mm -hmm. And it was very much like, you need to be like her, you need to have body, you know? Because it's always been like this thing that if you're a trans woman, you have to be searched out. And you have to look like a Barbie. And I, I, I'm I, going to get my surgeries done. But not because society tells me I need to go mm. get my surgeries done. I'm doing it because I want to feel comfortable with myself. And I want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it's like, the scene is very shady. Mm. It's very shady. And it's, and, it's, and it's easy to get hooked on drugs. Because mm-hmm. I, myself, uh, openly say, like, I was hooked on drugs for a while, um, I was living in abandoned buildings, and I didn't, like, you know, I was just at a point where, like, I was, like, almost near overdosing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's because then the depression hit, you know, I thought I was in love, and that person wasn't it, so it just, like, all came crashing down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that, that from the age of 33 to like the age of like I want to say 38, those years were really rough. Mm -hmm. Those were like the roughest years ever. Mm Yeah.
0: Um, and Jessica Fox. How, yes. did she, how like was she as a mother what did she like help you with she just started?
1: you know she she always demonstrated to me she, she always said like when i i'm the type of person that i would listen to like what others said and i would let it affect me and i'm not going to use the words that she used but <laughs> she said you can't let these guys you know the scene um affect you this way hmm and you can listen to them. You are who you are, and you don't let no one change you, you know, and she always said, you're special, you are you have a beautiful soul. You know, she always said, like, she always took me under her wing, we was all, and she stuck up for me, like, in a way that, like, mm-hmm. I never saw other people stick up for me. And then, you know, now my teeth are fixed, but back then, mm-hmm. I had a lot of missing teeth, mm-hmm. and my teeth was crooked, um, one, because of the drugs. Mm. Two, because I was in an abusive relationship. Mm. So, like, I was, you know, so people would make fun of my teeth. Mm. Oh, she got missing teeth. Oh, she got cracked tooth. She got, you know, so it was always something. You know, I had a five o'clock shadow because mm. I never went through laser. So it was like, it. everything was just like, it was always a criticism from the gay scene. Yeah, so I and I see them till this day now, and it's like, wow, you look so different. <laughs> and you just got like, i like, thank you," mm-hmm. and I just keep walking because I, re, you know, I don't. I'm the type of person that I can forgive you, but I will never forget.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and being in the backstage of Escalada was very shady. Mm-hmm. You know, these gay boys are shady, <laughs> and they are, they are trifling and backstabbing. You know, and and a lot of them... And being a showgirl was also not easy because everyone gravitated to you because it was like, oh, these are the girls that get you in the club for free. If you hang out with them, oh, they get drink tickets. Oh, they know where to get the drugs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was always... Because we had we had those type of people around us all the time. Like me, I always had the guy that sold the drugs. I always had my drink to, It was always... You know, I had the money. So it was like that scene is easy to grab and and Jessica always my mom Jessica always warned me too she's like you know these. again I won't say the word but (laughs) she's like these guys these gay boys will try to use you Hmm. and and they did some of them actually did Hmm. you know until I woke up (laughs) Hmm. and then I, I like I have friends that would call me and be like oh what you doing tonight girl and I'm like Nothing Do you have a show And I'm like Yeah I have a show Or I'll be like No I got invited To this club So oh can I go with you You know I don't have money But I want to go out And I'm like okay But then when you got To the club You wanted drugs You wanted free drinks You wanted And I'm like No So then like When I met Jasmine Jasmine will be like Girl Let them go on their own Mm -hmm. Notice how they only call you When they want something Or when they want to go out So I tested that I was like You know what She's, let me test that. And when I started telling people, meet me at the club, mm-hmm. then people started fading away. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you end up meeting Jasmine? I met Jasmine at a club performing with her in Crash. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we was performing. And so we got really close after that. Um She moved to Florida, so now we're like very, you know, We'll say hi to each other here and there, mm-hmm. but yeah, life for me is way different now. I gotta say than when I was like 30, 33. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm more conscious of like what friends sh- looks like should look like, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm okay with not having people around me too much. Mm-hmm. Like before, I used to be like, oh my god, I wanna like I wanna walk around with an entourage, <laughs> you know. But I'm okay with. Not having that. Like now I hang out with like one person. This is like my son, mm. my best friend, my sister, my Brista, my, you know, my brother, <laughs> sister. So it's like this person, you know, is the only person like I confide in. I mm. talk to them. And it's because they had demonstrated their loyalty mm. towards me. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm okay with having one friend instead of having 20 acquaintances. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah.
0: That makes sense. And I think a lot of people like, talk about club scenes as like a community, but it's really like, not that simple.
1: It's not. Yeah. The club scene and the gay scene can be very vicious.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It can be very vicious. Well back then, because now like the clubs, the clubs are shut down. Yeah. You know, Espolita clubs, um, um XL closed. All these clubs have closed. Stage Forty Eight here and there, but you know, mm-hmm. they now you get bar clubs. Like mm-hmm. you want to go, you now the party's at a bar. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like before that you would go to an actual club.
0: Mm. And what were the club spaces like? What did it feel like to be in? Them? They were good.
1: Like I like Crash. Crash when they were in Steinway Queens, mm-hmm. it was a nice huge space. Mm-hmm. They actually turned it into a city bar now, <laughs> but then they have moved to this place and 23rd Street called, uh, called the Old Lepole. Mm-hmm. and their place, that place was gorgeous and beautiful. I missed Crash when it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was down in the city on 23rd Street and then you know like Sound Factory closed down. Mm-hmm. That was like the place to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like the club scene back then, the space was was, you know, good. Then they, uh, Morocco was good, but then they closed it too, so it's like, Mm -hmm. you really don't have nowhere to hang out anymore, (laughs) (laughs) unless you just want to go to a bar. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like a totally different landscape.
1: Yeah, everything's totally different. The club Mm -hmm. scene is not like back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to be in Escolita like every day. (laughs) When Crash closed, Mm -hmm. I used to perform in Escolita like Friday, Saturday, Mm -hmm. mostly Saturdays and Sundays, and... Yeah, but I was always there. Like, that was the place to always be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where was Escalada? Escalada was actually on 39th Street between oh. 8th and 9th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was... that, And that's where, like, me and Jasmine got really close because we used to go every, day, every night to perform. Mm-hmm. We always would book together mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, but then they closed that club down. I don't know what they made it now. Mm-hmm. And then the owner... Moved his party to Excel, but they closed him and then he was, that he they, he was killed. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So, the party life here is like gone. <laughs> now it's very much let's go to a rooftop. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. let's go to. I think all the parties are at a rooftop now. Mm. Hotel rooftops. Yeah, hotel yeah. rooftops. Yeah, so like eleven. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. Um,
0: and before that, you mentioned working with the Department of Education.
1: Yeah, I used to work for the Department of Education way before I started transitioning. Back like in my middle 20s, late 20s, I was working with the Board of... I used to be a school aide. Mm. And I started, everything was fine when I worked at um, Martin Luther King Jr. High School, which was an all high school at the time. Okay. Because I knew everyone. I had actually graduated from there. I used to go to that mm-hmm. school from there, there also. Um, actually, I graduated from City High School. But I used to graduate, I used to go to that school. I went there for like three years. Mm-hmm. And I um, I was a school aide there, but then Things started happening, they transferred me, mm. then I got transferred into my old junior high school, funny enough. Oh, wow. And, but it was on the whole administration, but I don't, I, it was, don't know what was going on, mm. the whole mix-up and stuff like that. But then, um, I ended up going to a school in the Bronx mm-hmm. with a principal that, Never got along with me. We never got along, which just so happened to be that that principal was the boss when I was a school aide at my old high at my oh, old high school, oh. and then he got transferred out of there, and he was put into a, a a school in the Bronx, and it so happened that I ended up being in the same school, and there was a lot of like one day I got into some trouble. I didn't report it. Hmm. And it was but I didn't report it because we still didn't have, there was no, I was, it was on trial. Hmm. So it was, but it it had nothing to do with me. Hmm. Um, And so when they found out that I was innocent, Hmm. they, they, um, you know, they dropped the charges and stuff like that. But the reason they let me go was because I failed to report it. Hmm. That I had gotten arrested. Hmm. And I got arrested and I spent one night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So... That's why they said it was like you didn't report it, so that was a problem.
0: Mm. So yeah. And so, what were you doing in the school?
1: I was a school aide, so basically, just like I would be the lunch monitor. Mm. I would be downstairs, which is so weird because, like, in my school years, I was like isolated, mm. and it didn't feel any different when I was a school aide either. I was like, ugh, so, like, and I was always like, I don't want to be here. Mm. Like, leave me in an office working with paperwork and stuff like that, but they would put me in the classroom, they would put me in, like, detention classrooms to watch all the mm-hmm. kids. And, you know, being a school aide in the school system, it's not the most respected mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is now, but, yeah, being a school aide is not, it's not respected the way it should be. Mm-hmm.
0: Um... And so you mentioned like facing some encounter with the police. Um. Yeah,
1: so I was hanging out with this guy who was actually doing false checks. Mm. And I didn't know. Mm-hmm. He claimed it was a company. Mm-hmm. And so I was cashing the checks to him. Oh. I knew something was up, but I really didn't pay attention to it back then because, you know, I was like, oh, I was a little naive. Mm. And so the cops caught, caught on. And they arrested me, they asked me questions, but I really didn't know what was, like, I they thought I was making the checks, and they yeah. thought I was, and I was like, no, like, I don't even have a check, I don't, how do how do you even begin to make mm. checks, you know, and so, it, it caught up, but the person that actually did it, um, took the blame and was like, you know, she didn't have, she really didn't have nothing to do with it, she really didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, the, you know, and, and so that was where things started. Like, I want to say things started going downhill, hmm. but then that's when I started transitioning. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. And that's when you really started to do a lot in the club scene
2: you mentioned? Yeah,
1: I started to do a lot in the club scene. Then I turned to survival work because, you know, I had a room. Hmm. I had to, like, maintain and... Um, I, I, I went to public assistant, mm-hmm. and um, there wasn't paying enough, mm-hmm. so I had to make ends meet, I had to eat, mm-hmm. and top of that, I had to get my hormones. Yeah. So that's where, like, I started doing the closing more, but that's where I started, like, getting high more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because, all the, like I said, all the depression started coming on top of me, and, like, seeing myself, like, battling losing my apartment. And, even though it was a room and just, it was just like, and then I ended up going to a shelter system. Mm. So I had to marry my friends so that we can be put in a family shelter. Oh, wow. So I won't be, because I heard horror stories, like being put in a shelter in a room with like, right? and back then it was different. Like, it wasn't if you identify as a woman, you went to a woman's shelter. Mm-hmm. If your name didn't match your identity, mm. And it it didn't matter. You would still be sent. If they knew you was born male, mm-hmm. they would still put you in the male's facility mm-hmm. back then. So it was like, it was just, so my my friend was like, oh, we can get married because he was having trouble in his house. Okay. So we ended up getting a domestic um, partnership mm-hmm. and we ended up leaving to um the shelter. So I spent like a good three years in the shelter. Okay. Um, but it wasn't so bad to be honest living in the shuttle because I had my own room oh yeah and um, I was in a good section Um, first they had me on 23rd Street and 8th Avenue yeah and then they transferred me to 45th Street and 8th Mm -hmm. Avenue which was like it was a hotel it's a hotel called Aladdin Hotel Mm -hmm. so it was actually convenient for me because I would walk to Escolita too (laughs) (laughs) or I would walk down to the West Village and hang out at the bars Mm. so yeah and so, like, even
0: in that moment, you were still, like, were able to engage in, like, in the club scene. And- yeah,
1: and I think that's where I was able to engage more. Mm-hmm. Because being, you know, being in that area mm-hmm. and th- starting to perform and stuff like that, I was able to just... And I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So, like, my nights consist of hanging out and... Mm-hmm. You know, and going to the clubs, and so it, it made it easy for me to perform. Now, like as you get older, like back then, I would go clubbing all night and get up the next day like nothing. Now, <laughs> if I go to a club at night and I have to get up the next day to go to, to go to work, I I have to call out of work because I would mm. be like wounded and <laughs> I can't I I can't find myself. Mm. So I'm like, no, I can't do that anymore. Which is and, and honestly, like. As, it, as they say, as you get older, things that back then seemed so mm-hmm. like you needy like you, you ha- like I thought I, you know I had to be in the club all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because I love the attention, even though a lot of the times it was negative attention, mm-hmm. but I like the attention, yeah. you know, and so and I was known, I'm well known, so that exposure li- like really got to me a little of being able to go into the club for free and not making lines always like oh let me get um you know I will get drink tickets whatever I wanted. Mm. You no know, but it was easy for me. Then yeah. Mm. Mm. Um and mm. so were you still on hormones while you were in the shelter? Yeah, I was yeah. on hormones. I wasn't on horm- I was yeah, I was on hormones already. Mm. Like yeah. Because I started, I started right after I got laid off from the Department of Education, I started um, transitioning. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing a lot of drag okay. until I met this trans woman who lived two blocks away from me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that they were trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she, as a matter of fact, my ex, my boyfriend at the time, actually was cheating with me on me with her oh wow and so she came over to hang out one day mm-hmm. not me knowing mm-hmm. and she was like why you don't transition and stuff like that so we started transi- you know and I was like like we became good friends mm-hmm. but I just I didn't know what was going on So mm-hmm. after a while mm-hmm. you know so yeah those years I do not want to <laughs> those were my I lived in abandoned mm-hmm. house drug years no child I think. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've, I'm wondering like when you found out about the fact that your friend was like who your boyfriend was cheating on you with and if how that like well just in general like how that friendship was and how it was affected.
1: I like, mean it, of course it kind of like messed up the relationship you know our friendship. Even though it wasn't a platonic friendship, it wasn't a friendship where it was concrete. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, I met you. We became mm-hmm. good friends because you showed me how to, how to dress mm-hmm. more feminine. You showed me how to go, you know. You took me to the to the to the clinic to get my hormones, and that's where I come from. Like I don't trust nobody anymore. It's so mm-hmm. hard, yeah, because I feel like like you you wear your heart on your sleeve. People that wear their heart on their sleeves are the ones to usually mostly always get. Those type of friends that end up either backstabbing you or using you, so that's why i've been very like i've I've eliminated a lot of friends and i think and and I think I did good in doing that because now I look at them mm-hmm. and they're not the same, mm-hmm. they look totally different, and like they've let the drugs take over, mm-hmm. you know they're not on hormones like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, I can you know showing your true colors did me a favor. Um, because look where I'm at now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't knock no one and I don't criticize no one. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt and I give everyone my blessings because mm. you know. Some people take whatever they've been their life experience and turn it into something positive, and you know some people just want to maintain that role. Mm. You know, I wasn't happy doing survival work at all yeah you know some like some some trans women do love it they're like you know i love doing survival work and that's fine for them i never was happy with that Mm. i never liked the way i felt Mm -hmm. during and after Mm -hmm. um when i was with a with a guy Mm. that was pain you know i never felt comfortable yeah so, and, and I used to, as a matter of fact, I used to feel, you know, there were, I'm not going to lie. There were days that I was like, yes, you know, mm. okay, I made me a good $300 right now in less than an hour. Of course, because, you know, you, I needed it. yeah But the feeling that I used to get sometimes wasn't the feeling that I wasn't too happy. Mm. I didn't want, I was like, no. I need to, this cannot be life. <laughs> mm. Mm. And it was also because I was hanging out with people that... Were trans that had already started transitioning, Mm. and had always told me, "Oh, if you want to be a trans woman and you want to go get your surgeries, you have to prostitute." Mm. You know, and back then, you know, Medicaid wasn't advanced. None of the instruments were really paying for surgeries, so Mm. you had a lot of the girls were going outside of town, Mm. like out of the country, to get their implants and or somewhere where you know injecting themselves loose silicone because the insurance company wasn't paying for that back then. Yeah. You know, so... That, you know, so that... And then losing my job, and then it was just, like, everything was just, like... And I was like, I don't know how I'm alive. Sometimes I'm like, I'm alive by the grace of God. I have a mm-hmm. purpose here. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so when did... When do you feel like... You mentioned... Okay. You mentioned, like, you feel like your life is, like, totally... Different now, when you're like reflecting on like the club days and like that whole experience,
1: I think like you know, I want to say my life for the past summer year has been different. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm always continuing to progress, mm. and it's just because I've, you know, I I want better, mm. and I want to break the barrier of that, a lot of trans communities. Face, mm-hmm. you know, with like, I, I can say I'm blessed. Yeah, you know, I'm employed, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm doing the work that I thought didn't exist. Mm. I, well, my favorite line is, um, I'm I, I'm doing the job that I've always dreamt about, but didn't know it existed.
2: Mm.
1: You know. And so, like, my best friend always tells me, my best friend's like, that job was made for you. (laughs) Like, that was for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and which is, and and he's right. Like, that job, I felt like, was made for me the way I work right now. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And so what are you working as, and what does the job
2: entail?
1: You know, right now I work for the city. Um, I work for the Commission on Human Rights. Mm -hmm. And I'm basically the transgender community liaisons. Mm -hmm. So basically, everything that that is trans related, mm-hmm. that falls under the twenty one protective categories, whether it be like discrimination, mm-hmm. any form of discrimination, um, um, immigration status, anything like you know, but it's trans related, I'm mm-hmm. um, like the go to person. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Um, and how did you go about like getting that? You know, it's so funny, someone sent me that job it because I worked seven years. I worked for seven years at, um, this called A V P Anti-Violence Project. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I was there for seven years. Someone sent me the email <laughs> and I didn't really pay attention to it. I had it in my email inbox for like, a like two months. <laughs> and then something was like, you know what? Just apply for it. You just never know. And I just felt also that I didn't, I didn't want to apply for it because, you know, we get into this comfort zone. Mm and we don't want to change and we're like oh you know I'm a trans woman I should be happy that I got this job mm-hmm. and so we settle mm-hmm. you know and I and and I feel like because we settle it is because we don't we don't challenge ourselves to see what's out there mm-hmm. and so I was like you know what the hell with it I'm gonna apply for this if they give it to me they do it they don't they don't I still have a job mm-hmm. You know, but it so happened that I got off of the position oh. <laughs> three months ago, four months ago. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, So then maybe to backtrack a bit, how did you get started at the Anti-Violence Project? So the funny thing is I always say that um, Kat, which back then was like the director of, of client services, I was working at Bronx Community Pride Center. Hmm. Um, And I was there for seven years also. Oh, wow. Um, But they closed down now. Okay. Uh, So they had a link, they wanted to do a linkage Mm -hmm. with Bronx Community Press Center because at the time it was a lot, I don't know if you heard of um, the violence that was going on with like the Latin Kings. They killed someone or something like that up in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And it was because the person was was dating a Latin King. Mm -hmm. And so they, so they went to, they partnered up with organizations in the Bronx, and Bronx Community Price Center, BCPC BC was one of them, so I was sitting in a meeting, um, it was Kat, um, one of her co-workers, and the executive director at the time, mm-hmm. and so they, we all had a meeting, the executive director walked out, mm-hmm. Kat was like explaining about the job description and everything, and and I said, I was like, hmm, sounds like a job I should go for. <laughs> and Kat was like, well, you know, we would love to, but, you know, we don't want to step any toes or step any boundaries. And I was like, oh, you're not. What's your business card? <laughs> and so I got the business card, and then I emailed my resume and stuff like that, and I went for the interview. And I, we always say the joke, Kat is like my mom boss. At yeah. work at AVP so I always we have the joke that she stole me from from BCPC mm-hmm. um, and so but there I felt like that job at AVP was the job that I needed to grow professionally mm-hmm. and develop professionally mm-hmm. and because of the job that I did at AVP and Tabana's father was the reason I landed this job And because I'm known in the community. And the reason I'm known in the community was because through my shows, through, you know, pageants, because I've done pageants before, I won, like, two titles. Oh, wow. Um, So because of that, I guess people know who I am. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so when did you start using the kind of, like, um, I guess you could say just, like, the fame you had in the community, right? from, like, the pageants and the clubs towards, like, community organizing.
1: Yeah, right. Um, Because I... When I started doing the whole club scene, I just noticed also how our trans community and our LGBTQI um, youth Mm -hmm. were, like... I I was just like, there has to be a change. Mm -hmm. There has to be a voice. And there can't be, you know... I don't want to... I don't want the the person that's young that's going to transition think that the only thing you can do is sex work mm. to transition, mm. you know. So it was like, I just felt like that there was a need in the community to have someone to... And I don't want to be... I don't want to say that I'm the voice of the community because there are a lot of other trans women and trans men that are doing the same work that I'm doing. Yeah. Right? Um. So the only difference is, like, I work now and, like... In government mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know but there's still trans women and men that are doing the work and there are great advocates and you know great mm-hmm. leaders mm-hmm. but I just felt like you know like back then I just felt like I need to change one I didn't want to continue doing survival work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. two I wanted to change someone's lives. Mm-hmm. you know I didn't want them to go through what I went through um, growing up and transitioning, mm-hmm. so I felt like I needed to. That that's where I became like a counselor advocate, mm-hmm. and started like you know, um, go, going through the through that road. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And so, what were some of the steps you took to like get out of the situation you're in and into like these more organization? It's ways?
1: fun. It and so it's. I always say you never know what des- destiny has in store for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because I and you and and I always believe you meet someone for a reason. Hmm. Back then, um, you know, I hung out with people that from the club scene mm-hmm. that all they wanted to do was go clubbing, all they wanted to do was get high, all they wanted to do was sleep all day, all they wanted to, you know. So I didn't, you know. So, but I remember performing. I met Dominique. Who's also my sister and who's also in impose pose? Mm-hmm. Um, she plays Electra Abundant. Yeah. Um, she actually, me and her, we've been we've had our sisterhood for like twenty plus years. Oh wow! And you know, she worked at Bronx Community Pride Center. Mm-hmm. Um, she was running the trans group, and she used to be like, come to the trans group, come to the trans group. And I came to the trans groups, and I was like, oh, you know, I would love to do something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when she, when they would do events and they needed a performer, she would bring me. She always brought me to all the shows that she mm-hmm. she um, was booked. She would always say, I got my sister with me, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, so she got me a lot of bookings. And so they were. I was working at this place called arrive. Okay. And so I was still in between on drugs and like so but it was a harm reduction place. Okay. Okay. But there was someone there who was trans mm-hmm. who wanted my position and started filling um mm-hmm. my supervisor at the time had with stuff saying that I'm going to work high that they know I get high and mm-hmm. it was just a lot of things and so I got I it so happened that right when I lost my job, I was getting an apartment from the shelter. The mm-hmm. shelter I had put me an apartment. So um, I was desperate. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Domin- Dominique introduced me to the executive director of BCPC at the time. Mm-hmm. And I explained to her my situation. And she gave me a position mm-hmm. there. Um, first, I was like a hotline volunteer. like a hot, I was working on a stipend. Mm-hmm. Uh, then... You know, she um, and then she—they were looking for someone who was like community liaison, and so she hired me on the spot for that because she liked the way I spoke on the phone. I've always spoken very professional on the phone. Mm-hmm. I've always been organized, mm-hmm. so she liked that, and she hired me. And that's where like, but at BCBC, I didn't learn too much. Mm-hmm. And I was a counselor, and I was doing HIV counseling. Plus, I took a lot of courses, like, to be a, a, a tester and stuff like that. But I didn't learn so much because there were certain people that worked at BCBC. Mm-hmm. Everything was good until, like, tar- Dominic left. Okay. And, and our father at the time, Larry, may he rest in peace, he left. So it was like, I felt I was just at war all the time with everyone else. And I felt like, because they always thought that I was the executive director's pet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not her pet. If she tells me to go to the bank, I'm gonna go to the bank. And she tells me to go, yeah, I'm gonna go. She's yeah. my boss. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: You know, But there was always like a constant battle when I went in there. So I didn't really grow professionally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then it was until I got to BC, um, ABP that that's where I started. But going in, that's where I got, I started, but at BCPC is where I started with my counseling and doing advocacy work and, you know, Doing the learning about like the trans groups, doing running the trans groups. They had, you know, they had youth drop ins. Mm. They had, I know there's a couple of documentaries on me, <laughs> and there's one based when I was working at Bronx Community Press Center. Oh, wow. So, yeah.
0: And so, how did it feel to like start doing that work
1: and really be like engaging? It felt good because I started hearing positive things from people like, Oh my God, thank you so much. I've never you know, and and, and also because I did shows kinda help because people felt like, Oh, like, you know, she's like famous. No, I'm not famous. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, she works at B C P C you know, and I was always at the club performing and I and like now, you know, I think my my fame has developed drastically. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like, no, I'm just an average girl, you know, just trying to make a difference in the community. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a firm believer of, like, I'll treat you like I want you to treat me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always treated everyone with respect. I've always treated everyone, you know, I've always been that person that if you need to cry, I mean, you could cry. If you need to, 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 you need advice, you can call me. You know, plus my house was always, back then, Mm -hmm. my house was very much like a shelter. Mm People will always come and crash in my house and I would just let them. I'm like, yeah, you can stay, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know. um, But I started brushing up on my counseling still and advocating while I was at BCPC. Mm -hmm. But growing professionally, becoming an advocate and a counselor and learning techniques was when I was working at AVP. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then a lot of that, like, you know, helping the trans community also was a way that that kind of started like because I remember running a trans group one day and one of the girls and I was telling them about like you know your life and stuff like that and one of the girls looked at me and be like I wish my life was easy you have a job so you you can't possibly know Mm. what I'm go I go through with you know I have to sell myself to her so when I broke it down to them Mm -hmm my past and they so they was like oh, wait a second so she is just like us you know so i use that like as a way of like becoming a positive role model in the in the trans community mm-hmm. and letting them know like you know you can do what you want you just can't let these obstacles overcome you know take over you mm-hmm. you know so yeah like i'm the counseling, and the, and the counseling, to be honest, those seven years was draining. Yeah. You know, listening to people's stories mm-hmm. is very, like, emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. And so I was already getting over the whole, like, I love to advocate. I love to be an activist. I love, you know, speaking. But being, you know, doing a counseling was really taking a toll on me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so it got to a point where I was like, I didn't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then... I just landed this job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so what was that point where you were like, "I don't want to do this anymore," and you felt like you needed just, to change? Just, just because a lot of stories related to what I was going through, what I've been through in my past, whether it be um, an abusive partner, whether it was sexually assaulted. You know, I also was sexually assaulted when I was young. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, for several and it went on for several years mm-hmm. by a family member mm-hmm. that I'm not gonna say, um, but it was you know so all of that just started like triggering me a lot, mm-hmm. and I was like I don't want to keep doing the counseling. I love listening to people and helping them out, but there has to be another way that I can advocate for them yeah. other than do the counseling. So it was yeah it was it's emotionally draining, mm-hmm. but I practice a lot of self care through A V P. So that's that's how it was, but I it was already, I want to say like, I would have made seven years in July working for ABP. I want to say like on my fifth year, going into my fifth year of working there, is when I was already like really over the whole counseling thing. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, this is triggering. This is a lot of stories starting to relate to a lot to a lot of stuff that I went through you know so I was like no this has to be something else out there
0: Um, and so like in this kind of like these years where you're starting to do organizing work like how does your life outside of work look like and what was
1: um, your routine and the people that you're around I mean I'm not my routine I still enjoy my life I still enjoy life as much as I can you know I I'll go out. I, ironically enough, like I get invited to all these events and like I get invited to all these, um, things going on. And like I I I go out and practice self care. I'll go to a bar and have a couple of drinks. I'll, mm-hmm. You know, I hang out with people that I know value me and cherish me. So and and that's important because I, I have a I, I created a support system with these with these like. Four people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that I can really say I trust, um, and, you know, um, and I guess also like being now in this work that I do, Mm -hmm. like, I get invited to all these events Mm -hmm. constantly, and so it's like, and it's funny because like, it's not funny, but it's weird because a lot of people that you've met in the past, like you've crossed paths with, like, I see them now, Mm -hmm. but on a whole nother level. And so I guess, you know, I've, I've had my, I've always had a good reputation, even though people have tried to taint my reputation, but I've, I've always had a reputation where people always knew that if they came to me to talk to me about anything, Mm -hmm. you know, I was the type of person that if I had to, if I have $2 in my pocket and you need those $2 Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to see $2 again, I'll give those $2 to you because you need it more than me, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll survive. I'll. I don't worry. I won't eat. I'll go to my grandmother's and eat all my mother's. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's who I've always been. Mm-hmm. You know, to this day, I have people inbox me and be like, you know, I just want to say thank you, because mm-hmm. when I was at my lowest, you gave me a place to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, you you gave me. I mean, I I I have done my couple of fuck ups too. You know, but I'm not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
2: Um,
0: and so what's your relationship with your family been like through that whole process as well? You mentioned like going to your mother's house to eat or your grandmother's house to
1: eat or... Yeah, I mean my process is, is with my family is, you know, my family is definitely now more accepting than ever. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, my mother has no problem. Like sometimes i like, Mom, I'm hungry. I'm coming over. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. <laughs> um Or, you know, my grandmother's house. My relationship with my family has gotten way better than than it was yeah. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so definitely, Um, and so like, you know, yeah, I don't have a problem, like, I go to my mother and be like, I spent the night at my mother's yesterday, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, mom, i saying no, she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: so what is your work now, like, now that you've kind of like gone into like a government space? What,
1: how has it changed? What are you up to? I mean, now, right now, because I'm only fresh, yeah, only okay. been for a couple of months. I mean, you know, I entered at the most busiest time of the season, which mm-hmm. was Pride. Oh yeah. So you know, I I my role right now has just been networking mm-hmm. and creating a support system, mm-hmm. um, so or creating a go to. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, I in a couple of years, I kind of want to like run for office now. <laughs> like Ooh. that's where my goal is at now. That's where my mentality is at. Like, hmm, maybe come city council or mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. I, I and I think I could do it. Oh yeah. Uh, you know. So, but my my working for government has changed like me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got more respect. I get more respect now. Mm-hmm. You know, like for when people because I, I have a big following on social media too mm-hmm. so like every time I post something it's like oh my god I saw it <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. and of course like also like being the only trans woman of color openly a uh, open trans woman of color and working for government the only one yeah Yeah. so that's like a big deal yeah. Yeah. yeah so that has helped me grow more and the fact that my boss loves me the commissioners <laughs> you know she mm-hmm. loves me, you know, and I love her. She's such a badass. I always say she's such a badass woman, mm-hmm. and she's so empowering, mm-hmm. you know, um, and she's, she's, like, she wants to take me to the next level, mm-hmm. you know. She's a big supporter of the trans community. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's a real big supporter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She knew about me before I started working here. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, she's like, where's well, she when is she starting? <laughs> 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 mm.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean, it feels like we kind of got the, like, gloss of, like, the right? whole process, um, but is there anything you want to go, like, more in-depth about, or anything you want to talk about a bit
1: more, anything we maybe missed?
2: I don't know.
1: <laughs> I feel like I've said enough, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's, I mean, my next step, my next goal is, you know, get my own apartment. Move out of my room, get in my own apartment. Hopefully, meet someone in office, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and maybe and run for office. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I mean, that yeah, I I I just I'm I'm gotta just want to say like I am grateful where my life is at now, um, than where it, where it was at several years ago. Yeah, you know, and I can only continue to strive for best. You no, know, eventually I actually do wanna be in um I say I wanna be a public figure, but in mainstream. Mm-hmm. Not just you know, in the in the trans okay, scene. Yeah. I wanna be like well no. Yeah. Like throughout mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, so But actually. in the cis world and the <laughs> trans world. Okay. Yeah. I wanna be a household name. Mm. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I'm, then I'm wondering, like, maybe how you just feel about that as a process now that, like, you mentioned Dominique is your sister.
1: Like, she's, like, getting there now with Pose. She, I know. Like, she, I, And everybody always asks me why I have that when I'm going to be on the show. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I'm so proud of her because I remember 15 years ago, we used to sit down and talk, like, mm-hmm. what we wanted to do in life. And, you know, how we... She wanted to model and, you know, and be famous in modeling and in social media and, and in the mainstream. And I always said, like, I want to make a difference in the world. Mm. And, you know, I want to be, like, this person that everyone knows. Or, like, you know, I want to be, I want to be a public figure. And, like, 15 years later, like, here we are. Yeah. You know, like, she's doing a show and and I'm working for government, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, like... I would love to be more on 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 the media mm-hmm. side of things, you know, um, but that will come. Yeah, everything in due time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's great. I'm proud of her. Mm-hmm. Proud of her. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We rarely hear her speak anymore, but mm. you know, I understand. Wow. She's always busy. Yeah, yeah. But she does text me from time to time. And I was like, sis, she's like, I love you, sis. I'm sorry we haven't gotten any <laughs> in touch, but I, we'll get together soon. And I was like, okay, no, because like, she's always on the go. Mm-hmm. 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 And they always, you know, she's always making all these appearances and going places. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she invited me to the premiere, the private premiere that they had. It was beautiful. Mm. You know, all the cast members were there. It was open bar. And <laughs> it was buffet tables was all cool. over. It was mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, anything else?
2: No. <laughs> yeah.
1: Pay attention to your TV. I might be popping yeah. up there one day. Oh yeah. <laughs> not through the polls, but maybe through something else. Yeah. I always said I kind of wanted to create a reality show. Hmm. Um, for, but for trans women, but not trans women the way they're constantly being portrayed yeah, on yeah. TV, but trans women working. Mm. You know, like the life of a trans woman in office, or the life of a trans woman, you know, um, with a regular nine to five. Yeah. So yeah, I always wanna kinda, of always been wanting to like create a a reality show like that. Yeah, like <laughs> shifting the narrative. Yeah, so. Yeah. Let's see.
0: Yeah.
1: So we better keep our eyes out for that too. <laughs> yeah, because I never, you never know. Maybe mm-hmm. someone wants to cast someone like me to mm-hmm. the reality show i'm willing to mm-hmm. to be followed mm-hmm. and <laughs> in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's basically what i'm looking at right now <laughs> <laughs> great yeah um well thank you so much no thank you this is really it was really interesting yeah uh, yeah yeah and, thank
0: you for sharing your story and i definitely hope um it like helps someone out there
1: yeah, that's and and it's funny, man, because it's, you do these type of interviews. Mm-hmm. Like I did, someone did a podcast on me, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, a podcast. <laughs> and someone hit me up on Facebook and was like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "What?" It was like, so I was taking a shower, mm-hmm. and I put on my podcast mm-hmm. and here comes this voice I know <laughs> and they was like I heard your whole story I was like oh get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um and I also had a documentary um where they followed me um Viceland oh wow so yeah um it was called it's the program was called Balls Deep okay so um they followed me for like a whole summer two summers ago oh wow yeah wow so hopefully I'm like, mm, let's see if someone picks that up and be like, I want to follow her, you know, and may, make it a reality show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we're just like adding to like the kind of like public archives of you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it seems like. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, will be out there. So, yeah. 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 Who knows? <laughs> cool. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.